everybody to the stew pod the yahoo sports baseball podcast i am mike oz and i am chris swick chris i uh, i saw carlos correa this week in person live in the flesh right in front of me and he said he's gonna beat you up uh well i hope you didn't give him my address <laughs> he, did, he did not say that no he has no idea who you are chris well that's probably a good thing for him <laughs> how like, are you my I, friend how are you I'm, I'm good i have a promise to make to you during this podcast oh no I will not send out a tweet while we're recording the podcast this week. That's good. You should, not, <laughs> you should stay off Twitter, man. I can't help it. It's like a drug. You know, you know my wife asked me why you tweet so much. No, did she? <laughs> I'm not even surprised. My wife, uh, my wife follows you on Twitter, as you may know. Sometimes tweets at you. Apparently, you don't respond to her. Oh, and, what? Yeah. And, uh, and she's like, why is, why is he always on Twitter? I was like, I don't know. I don't have anything better to do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what goes on in Chris's world, man. <laughs> Guy Fieri and Twitter and watching Nats games and there's nothing wrong with that. All, the, all those good things. So I'm excited for the podcast this week. We uh, I, I don't think we teased specifically last week who we have joining us, but we did say it was going to be an MLB star. Yes. I, I think we've delivered on that. I would agree. Jose Altuve of the uh, Houston Astros is joining us in just a few minutes to talk about. Um, their surprising season about uh, his own unit of measurement. Um, many other, many other things. Triples. Chris yes. asked him about triples. So yeah, we had a lot of good stuff to talk about uh, with him, and uh, plenty of news this week. So Chris, uh, give us the rundown there. Well, I think we have to start with the Matt Harvey. I don't know what you want to call it at this point. Debate debacle. Debacle. Whatever it is. Oh, how about we call it Harvey Gate? No. Harvey Gate. There you go. Let's not. Let's never. We'll get comments and emails that. about that probably. Never, ever do that, please. So, uh, you know, we have to give our takes, of course. We have to weigh in on it. And then that kind of transitions us to the Washington Nationals. We need to speak about what's happening there right now. Uh, after that... We are going to look at the race in the AL West, and we have to reflect a little bit on Ruben Amaro's tenure with the Phillies. So those are those are our topics. Spoiler alert: Ruben Amaro got fired. If you didn't yes. see that news yet, so that's the stew pot. Of course, we'll have some important questions, uh, some some nonsense, some shenanigans. Oh, we started off the show with a little bit of typical cats. Chicago underground hip hop because uh, in honor of Chris, he went to Chicago recently. Oh, that that was what I was going to ask you. Like, did you see Kanye? No, I didn't see him. Didn't unfortunate. See see it was unfortunate. No, I don't know that we hang in the same circles. Okay. Which is also unfortunate. Okay. Well, just wondering, man. <laughs> just wondering. He wasn't at my cousin's wedding. I can <laughs> tell you that much. This is the stew pod. Let's uh, not talk about Kanye and let's talk about Jose Altuve. That kind of rhymed. <laughs> Hey, it's the Stu 
Pod. We are back. It's Mike Oz, Chris Swick, and we are uh, have the pleasure today of being joined by Jose Altuve of the Houston Astros. We're going to talk all about their uh, impressive season, what's looking forward to for them in September, and lots of other things. So first of all, Jose, thanks for thanks for joining us and taking some time. No, no, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I, I want to I want to start off by uh, asking you just how it feels right now to you know be in the Houston Astros clubhouse and know that you were in the thick of a pennant chase, which um, hasn't really been the case the last couple of years. I mean, it feels pretty good, you know, we to be in the clubhouse with those guys. It's been fun because, you know, we're in the first place right now. And, and you know, we're having a lot of fun the way that we've been playing you know, almost all season long in the first place. And, and right now we have a big, big chance to go to the playoffs. So it's been like a, kind of different the last couple of years. So, I mean, like I said, we're having fun, and hopefully we're going to keep in, in the first place. Yeah, Jose, you mentioned you know some of the past seasons have been tough. What, what do you think has been the biggest difference this year? What have you noticed that's been different maybe in the clubhouse or just in general with the team? I mean, I think we have a couple of couple players with a playoff experience and the half, you know, coming from another team in, in the offseason that, that they help a lot to, to the team to be in this position and you know everybody in spring training knew that we have uh, a big chance to to win the game so i think everybody took it for serious for real and this year we, we try to, to do all the small team play as a team play uh, uh, do all, all the teams together and i think that's that's a big difference for this year compared with the last couple of years with, with Jose, with all the new players, you know, going to the off-season acquisitions, the the rookies, even the mid-season trades, how do you think the team has been able to come together and gel so well with all these new guys? I mean, because I think we we got good communication between our coaching staff and and our players. I know we have a lot of rookies, but we have a lot of better than players too. So we just try to support each other, work as a team. And you know, if we keep doing this, I think we we can go to the playoffs. Jose, when did you start to realize that the Astros could be a potential playoff team? Was it in the off season when everyone was getting signed, or was it maybe in spring training when you guys finally started to get together, or was it after that even? I mean, I think in in, in spring training, I saw the team, and I saw that we have. You know, a really good team. I mean, and then when we start the season that good. I say, oh man, I, I think we keep doing this. We we, we can be good this year. And Alistair, after the All Star break, we, we were in the we still were in the in, in the first place. So I think by that time everybody realized that we can go to playoffs and start, you know, playing even harder and, and doing everything for the team. In addition to all the players that are new and players we talked about. Managers also new this year. AJ Hinch, um, can you can you tell us how much of an impact he's made and, and how much of a difference he's made just having him uh, at the helm for the team this year? Oh, he's a very nice guy. You know, he I think he let everybody go out there and play. He's very smart, very quiet. He does the team when he has to do it, and you know, we have a good communication. So you know, I think the communication between him and the players is a, is a big key for for us. Uh, Jose, one of the, the big stories with you guys this year has been uh, your shortstop, Carlos Correa, coming up. He's having a great rookie season. 
what's it been like to work with him? Because you know, you guys, you guys have to pair up a lot in the middle of the infield. And uh, have you kind of been a mentor for him thus far? I mean, he's a great guy. I think definitely he's, he's the best player in our team right now. Uh, we're just 20 years old, and you know that guy is going to have a, a, a good career. He he can do a lot of things. So he 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 brought something really special to the team, energy and, and all the skills he has. He's been helping the team a lot, so we we, we feel really happy to have him here. Uh, just a, I guess, kind of a follow up there, Jose. Um, you know, with with the move to bring him up, and with, with some of the trades that were made at the at the, you know trade deadline. I mean, that that sent a message to I think all the baseball fans out there that hey, the Astros are you know we're going to take the steps uh, that we can to go for this. Did did you guys see that the same way in the clubhouse that hey, they, you know they're bringing up these these talented young guys, they're making these trades. Uh, they believe in us. And did, did that resonate with you, and did that have an effect on the players? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we took it the same way. We took the, They bring Carlos and, and do all the trades because they believe in us. So, like I said, you know, we, we, we all knew that they, they were doing that because they want us to win, and, you know, we were working really hard. So, And, and we still are. We're still working really hard and, and doing everything we can to to, to go to play out and, and to have – to finish this year as a star. So, uh, Jose, you've been around for a couple seasons now, but you're still fairly young as far as baseball players are concerned, but on this team it seems like you're already one of the veterans. Have you taken on more of a leadership role this season? I think, I think, I think everybody here in the clubhouse is a leader right now. Everybody's bringing something to the table to help the team and you know, we don't we don't follow all in one player. We we just try to support each other, help each other, and 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 you know, in in my case, I just try to help. You know, the guys that just came out. But I think we have a lot of guys that can have that role in in the team. What kind of what kind of leader are you? I know you're you're sort of an interesting guy in the league, in in, in the sense of, you know, a lot of people didn't have any faith that that you could play in the major leagues at one point. So, um, you know, that that's very similar to the Astros, a team that a lot of people didn't expect could could make it this year. So, um, like, how do you how do you view your role in the clubhouse as a leader? Uh, you know, I just I just try to you know support my guys. I, I I like to do everything that I can to help them. I like to do everything that I can I can to to communicate with them. And you know, like I say, we have twenty five leaders here. I don't consider myself. Uh, 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 the only leader in, in, in this uh, ball club. I think every, every single guy they want to play hard is a leader right here. Jose, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, Dallas Keuchel. He has been fantastic this season. He was really great last season, but it, it seems like this year uh, he's going to be in Cy Young contention at the, end, at the end of the season. What What has it been like, I guess, seeing his improvement and I know he's a guy who gets a lot of ground balls. So, are you guys excited when he's on the mound because you know it's going to be a busy day in the in the field, or how, what's that like? No, I think it's very fun play behind him because he knows how to play. He's having a really, really good year for me. I'm, I'm sure he's going to win the, the side jump, and you know, I just try to do everything I can to support him when he's pitching to to score some runs because we feel like every time he's pitching, we have a big chance to win the game. It's uh, 
pretty good that you guys get to get George Springer back, you know, right now for these last few weeks. It's almost like getting another, you know, another trade or something, adding him to the lineup. Uh, how much do you think it'll help, you know, now that we're kind of getting down to the last few weeks to have somebody like George coming back into the lineup? Well, he's always going to have the thing. He, I mean, I think his enthusiasm and his energy is always out there, and he's playing hard every time. He's getting on base. He's running runs. And so, I mean, I think that's a, he's going to be one of all keys to, to to keep winning games and be in the playoffs. Jose, um, you know, we, we've talked about how you guys are getting prepared for for September, but it, it's sort of a thing that a lot of you guys haven't faced before. I mean, you know, either either because you're young or because Houston hasn't really been in this been in this uh, position. How do you feel like the locker room, the clubhouse changed at all? Um, you know, when, when when the calendar flipped to September, like, is there any more pressure? Do you guys feel the expectations are higher now that it's the final month of the season and you need to kind of seal the deal here? I don't think we have any pressure right now. We we just. We just want to go out there and do the thing we, that we know to do and, you know, keep winning games. And I know every single game that we win uh, since right now is, 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 is going to be big. So we just have to keep going our job and keep winning games and, you know, see what happens. Jose, I, uh, I have to give you a little bit of a hard time here and ask, how the heck does Evan Gaddis have more triples than you do? Because you're known for your speed, Evan Gaddis. Not a fast guy, and somehow he's got a ton of triples this season. I mean, I think he's been the ball really hard, and he's <laughs> a guy that, that everybody knows he's big, but I don't think everybody knows how fast he is. He, he started running, he hit the ball, so he doesn't matter if it's out of the play or, or on the gap. He, he keeps running hard until somebody stops him. That, I think that's why he has that many triples. But you, you could still beat him in a foot race. Right? Oh, oh yeah, easy. <laughs> if uh, and Evan Gaddis might be a good one here, but if uh, which teammate would you want as a, as a tag team partner in a wrestling match? I uh, I think him and Chris Carter. Uh, strong guys. Yeah, you know. When you found out that people were using uh, Altuve's as a unit of measurement, were you, were you honored by that? Did you think it was weird? Uh, what did you think? No, it was an honor. I mean, I, I really like it, and I think it's it's very fun. Do you? Um, it seems to me like a you're you're a guy who resonates a lot with the kids. Um, they seem like the kids the kids like you. Uh, can Can you talk about how that relationship is and uh, why you think that is? Um, why I don't know, but I mean, I think you know, friends and, and me we got a good relationship. I just take I just take every every time I can to, to, to spend time with them and you know, I think they 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 all support us and you know I think we are here because of them so I mean we, I just try to have a, a good communication with them and a good relationship. All right. Hey well thank you uh thank you Jose for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck in these in these last few weeks and uh I think Chris would be happy if you can can get as many triples as Evan Gaddis. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We're back on the Stew Pod. We are joined once again by uh, our good friend Bad News 
Harriman, who is a, uh, I think, total Matt Harvey fan. Loves him some Matt Harvey. Does not love him the Mets. I don't know how he feels about Scott Boris, but I, but I thought this was a good topic to bring him in on. And he's a man who, who has opinions and has no trouble delivering hard truths. So, as everybody knows, Matt Harvey uh been in the news a lot this week. Um, going back to, to the weekend, uh, Scott Boris came out and said that, you know, Matt Harvey had a hard innings limit, which was, had gone against everything the Mets said. Harvey himself kind of came out and said he didn't plan on pitching more than 180 innings and uh, didn't really do it in the, the best way for his image, probably. Uh, then he released a statement the next day, uh, kind of changing that tune, and then the Mets were working on trying to find the right plan. It seemed like a whole lot of talking and not a whole lot of figuring anything out. Uh, bad news, Raman, my question to you is who comes out of this looking right who comes out of it looking like an idiot uh i don't think anybody comes out looking right in anything uh especially i'm not going to you know go on scott boris's side um i think i think both I mean, everybody involved looks bad i don't think this is a good situation whatsoever and it could have been stopped if the mets actually had a plan and stuck to it and even i mean you're yeah you know at the start of the spring train they weren't looking at the playoffs but they knew they had a lot of young arms uh, you know, they could have probably shored up their middle relief, you know, and put these guys at kind of like a five or six inning uh, pitch count or pitch limit once it, it got apparent that uh, they needed these arms, which was probably after what the first three months of the season, these guys are coming out hot and they're just kind of riding the wave of, of what these pitchers can do. Um, I, I think on Matt Harvey's side, I think it's like kind of like the first chink in the armor of the young players in general. I mean, you in baseball, you've had a lot of these, a ton of young talent come out. Uh, they say the right things. They do the right things. It seems that they kind of harken back to old school baseball where they just want to play and, and win and they don't care about their contract or don't care about money. Uh, I, I think this is kind of, I think Matt Harvey is kind of the first guy where people are looking at going like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, it's not all fun and games. I mean, there is uh, some money involved. And I'm, I'm kind of looking at the situation and I'm trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong. But I think the reason why this people are still talking about it now is that, yeah, you know, I, I'm a Matt Harvey fan. I, I like guys that can throw 96, 97, have a fastball, have a slider, have a changeup, have an overhand curve, just, just a, a power pitcher. Everybody loves a power pitcher. And especially if you put them in, in New York, I, I think that kind of harkens back to Drew Good and, and some of the other great pitchers that New York has had in the past 20, 30 years. Uh, so I'm kind of looking at him and going like, well, am, am I mad at him at a fan, at, from a fan standpoint? I, I think he could have handled it different, but the kid's 26 years old. Uh, you, you know, look at what, I mean, look at what I did. At, you knew me at 26, and I said <laughs> a lot of worse things than Matt Harvey did. Here's, um, here's where I want to jump in, though, and, and specifically about Matt Harvey, because I, I think that he has every right to look out for himself and look out for his long-term well-being, his health, and, and whatnot. What strikes me as odd was that you know he was the guy who wanted to come back as soon as possible from Tommy John. And he clashed with the Mets about that. He wanted to come back last year before the doctors wanted him to. And then this year, you know, he didn't want them to go to a six-man rotation because he wanted to pitch, you know, get his starts in. And, and now it just seems like he's changing his tune, which to me, that's, that's why I look at it and be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, like you, you do understand that we live in 2015 and all this stuff is, is archived and we know exactly what you said two years ago and people are going to bring it back up and shove it in your face. And to me, that's where I think Matt Harvey runs into trouble. Well, you know, and, and even when, when, he had, when he had Tommy John surgery and he wanted to come back, 
And even talking about the six-man rotation this year, I think that's what people liked about Matt Harvey is that the guy went out, he was no-nonsense, uh, all business, and just wanted to strike people out and help his team if you want to go in, in the cliche sense where I'm like an old 70-year-old guy going, oh, Matt Harvey, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, and that's kind of the, the head-scratching thing. Uh, you know, it, it kind of it goes against everything he's saying. I, I thought when, he, when they were filming him and, and he was talking and stuff, it was just a complete 360 from what this guy is. And... I'm kind of scratching my head going, going over it, going like, what the, what is this guy doing? Um, and you want to talk about who wins or loses. Scott Boris is his agent. Scott Boris is the one that should be saying that. And, and it's just kind of, Scott Boris makes a ton of money and he can't figure out like that. He's the one that should go to the media. And he, he coaches Matt Harvey saying, Matt, I'm going to say this, but I want you to deny everything just so, you know, you can look at, look as a good, look at the, look like a good guy. I can look at like a bad guy and that's going to help you even further. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, when you're ready for a contract, when you're ready for negotiation. Uh, it, here's it here's just, the last question I want to throw at you, though. I think, I think this is important. Did, did I even answer that question? <laughs> I, think, I think you did. Well, I didn't really ask you a question. You just kind of yeah, jumped okay. into what I was saying. But he, I think this is a legitimate question. And I think this is, you know, looking forward how this is going to play out. How how does Matt Harvey come out of this looking good? What does it take? I mean, is it, you know, he, he pitches – 195 innings. He he wins a big postseason game. The Mets do well, and we we forget about it all. Um, you know, does he come out and say, you know, hey, I'm at 180 innings, but I don't care. You know, this is the Mets. We're going to go win the World Series, and then does that, and everyone's like, yes, Matt Harvey, you you're the best. You don't care about anything, you know. And then I mean, I think th- those are situations in which he probably looks better. Um, and, and so, how do you, how do you think that in the end, like what make what makes Matt Harvey look the best? I think what. I don't want Matt Harvey to pitch past 180 innings. I, I don't want to see a 26-year-old pitcher uh, blow out his arm again uh, because he went he reaches inning count. Uh, pitching is different from what it was back when you had rubber arm pitchers. I don't think there's any. I think the only way that Matt Harvey looks good is uh, he needs support. He needs support from the Mets. The Mets need to say, you know what, we're going to shut him down. He's way too important for us. And Matt Harvey comes back and says, you know what, like. I was kind of torn when, when we were doing this whole whole things. Uh, obviously, the the I believe the Mets made the right decision, uh, but I will be available for playoffs. And I think if it's case, if, if it's like a game, like a game, like a deciding game, he comes in, uh, pitches for five innings, whether it's the first five innings or he comes in and and closes out the last four innings of the does game. Does the Bumgarner thing? Yeah, yeah, it does does that? Does the uh, Kurt Schilling thing? Does the Randy Johnson thing in the playoffs where they came in for relief? Uh, I think that's where I mean. Every indication that points to Matt Harvey being a guy like a Randy Johnson, like a Kurt Schilling, uh, like a Bumgarner. Uh, if if he, but he has to be handled the right way. You can't. I don't understand as an organization, if you're the Mets organization, why you're going to do things to alienate your best pitcher that you have. Um, then he needs Matt Harvey needs more support, and he needs to come in and say, hey, you know, give me give me the ball. Uh, I'll pitch. I'll lock everybody down for three, four innings, and, and let's win some games. And then when it comes to the press conference time, you have the Mets manager say, look. You know, I was going to go to this guy, or, or I, was, I didn't know who to go to. Matt Harvey came up to me and said, "Give me, give me the ball. I'm going to go three innings. I'm, I'm going to win this game." And all of a sudden, he's a media darling once again. There you go. That's that. I think would be exactly how it would go down. Thank you, Bad News Ramen, for joining us once again. You'll be back next week on the Stew Pod again, and uh, I'm going to bring in Chris, and I think we're going to talk some more about Matt Harvey and the Nats and all kinds of other stuff. We'll be right back. <laughs> We are back.
back on the stew pod. I am Mike Oz. We've got Chris Swick here with us. Chris, as, as I just told our buddy Bad News Ramen, I, I'm going to ask you the same exact question about the, all the Matt Harvey stuff. You know, we're at the point where, you know, all this stuff has happened now. It's for all intents and purposes, you know, kind of worked its way out of the, the headline cycle. We are focusing on different things at this point, but it, it's not going away. You know, don't, don't, don't think that, that this drama is over. So, what I'm wondering, you know, kind of moving it forward a little bit, what is the solution? Like, what, what is the outcome that makes Matt Harvey look the best? The outcome that makes Matt Harvey... Uh, I'll, I'll explain a little bit more for you, just because... All right. You know, the, the listeners have this context, but you didn't listen to the previous segment, obviously. Um, I, I feel like at this point, you know, he's he kind of lost a little bit of luster. Uh, I feel like... You know, there's a potential for him though to come out of it and and look look good again. You know, let's say he gets to 182 innings or something, and is like, you know, no, this is this is October. I'm gonna pitch. I don't care what anybody says. And then all of a sudden, he's Matt Harvey, American hero. You know, because he doesn't listen to doctor. He doesn't care. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, you know, or or he he wins. He pitches in the World Series and wins, you know. Like, what is what is the best way that, that Matt Harvey comes out looking looking in this thing? I think it, it's probably just as simple as continue to pitch and pitch well. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know that it's that it has to be more complicated than that. But I do think, in order for him to look good, especially with the fans, he needs to keep going. He needs to keep pitching because they're just not going to buy that argument. I mean, I think. The large majority of fans are—they just want him to adopt a tough guy mentality. And honestly, I mean, I don't—I'm not sure what he should do. You know, if I were in the same situation, I feel like there would definitely be some concern about potentially ruining my career. And at the same time, uh, you know, maybe this is the only time I ever make the playoffs in my career. So, how many how many words have you written this season, Chris? How many words? Yeah, what's your what's your (laughs) I don't know limit. Oh, my words limit? Yeah. I think I passed it a couple weeks ago. Oh. And I'm, just, I'm running on fumes, but I'm doing it for the people. There you go. We haven't talked about how I totally nailed that this is this is what was going to happen, right? That, that it was going to turn into a, to not a problem with the team, not a problem with performance, but it was going to turn into a media problem. That's exactly what it ended up being. It ended up being like, but it was Boris. I just, I just, I just picked the wrong person. Boris was the one who started it, and... Here we are. At least, luckily, it, it seems like it, it's kind of boiled over a little bit, but I just don't see how Matt Harvey gets passed. That's, that's only until he starts again. I just don't see how he gets a pass from being like the guy who wanted to come back earlier from Tommy John surgery, like before they wanted him right, to. Right. And then now he's like, oh, no, I, I need to – I got to back off. I don't want to hurt myself. Like, well, come on, man. Like, pick, pick a case and stick to it. This is 2015. You can't get away with that stuff. Well, I feel like there's a couple issues here. First off – if it's getting compared to the Strasburg thing, I don't know whether that's fair or not, but but I'll say this much. With the Strasburg thing, the Nationals made it clear that that was always the plan. And the Mets were very unclear about what was going to happen. They were pretty cryptic about it. I feel like they could have avoided most of this if they just said at the beginning of you know March, he's going to be capped at blank, and that that's the end of that. But did they know? I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, it sounds like, at least from what they're saying, and I mean, I'm I, the the way we've seen the other side presented, I'm not inclined to necessarily blame the Mets or disbelieve that they didn't know because, I mean, it just seems like 
the other side of it, the the Harvey Boris side, just seemed like it was getting made up as it went along. I guess that could be true, but shouldn't they have had a plan in place? Of you, you know what I mean? I mean, so, but but I think the other thing that bothered me was some of uh, Sandy Allerson's comments. He he just kind of put the whole thing on Harvey, and that felt. I don't know, irresponsible or he just, I think he put Harvey in a situation where he really couldn't win. Cause I think Alderson said, you know, he's, he's a grown man. He can make his own decisions. And obviously the only decision he can really make without getting the ire of everybody is to continue pitching whether he wants to or not. So I didn't love that. It sounds like a kid who's in between a divorced mom and dad. I mean, to some degree, you know, like the mom and dad aren't going to get along. And he's just kind of stuck in the middle of it, and you know, if you if you go along with one, then you anger the other. If you go along with the other, then you, then you anger the first one, and um, you know. So for that situation, it's tough for Matt Harvey, and I get that. Well, I'm sure that this is going to come up again, probably the next time he pitches. So, do you have anything else to add on Harvey, or, no, or should we'll, we transition? We'll do a, we'll do a t- to be continued on him. Yes, because. I'm sure with the New York media, we will hear about this again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We will probably also hear about the failures of the Washington Nationals. Maybe not so much by the New York media, media, but definitely by the national media. And it just so happens that I would say the, the biggest Nationals failure came during Harvey's last start. They blew a six-run lead in the last couple innings of the game. It was tough to watch if you were a Nationals fan. Or even really a fan of, of watching good baseball, unless you support the Mets, because that was a great comeback. So, Mike, I have to ask, this team coming into the year was considered to be a World Series favorite, a juggernaut. They signed Max Scherzer and Bryce Harvey. Or Bryce Harvey, wow. Bryce Harvey. Look at that. What a guy that is. Bryce Harper made the where's my ring comment. Does not look like that's going to happen. And so... I have to ask. Get a ring pop, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the the 2015 Washington Nationals, when we look back, are the biggest disappointment since blank. I, I think it has to be the 2013 Angels. I feel like it's a very similar situation. Um, you know, you had your you have your your Mike Trout, and you're you're building around him, spending some money. Um, you know, they just. They brought in. That's the year they brought in Hamilton. Of course, they had Pujols before that. Uh, so it seems to me like a very similar situation. And uh, those Angels were even worse. I mean, they didn't even crack 500. They were third place, 78-84. Um, I'm sure there's you know plenty of other disappointing teams, but this definitely seems like the kind of thing that happens uh, so often in modern sports. And I think part of it is just a you know part of the the modern news cycle the modern media the the idea that you know Bryce Harper says where's my ring and it becomes you know national news everywhere when 15 years ago that wouldn't have happened you know so I think that's that's part of it I mean you know it it brings these these teams that have so much hype um puts it in our face you know and all these months lead into the season and then we see them fall and Let's also, you know, take notice of the fact that this 
this news cycle that we live in, you know, this social media era loves to see you fall, loves to yes. see the fall from grace. So of course that's going to get, you know, blown out of proportion too. So, um, you know, while I just picked something that happened two years ago, I think that this is very much a modern phenomenon. And, um, I think, but as I, as I look at that team, I think, I think of the 2013 angels. Yeah. I don't, I don't really have a great answer for this. Um, I'm thinking, you know, is it was it the Dodgers from the last couple of years with the giant payroll? Is that the same thing? They made the playoffs, though. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I really don't have a great answer. Was it the Bobby V. Red Sox, or was that not so much an expectations thing, but more just a terrible situation that spiraled out of control? Um, you could even make probably make a case for the Red Sox this year, right? Right. If you live in a certain part of the country who, you know, thought that the Red Sox were going to win the World Series. So, yeah, um, I don't really have a good answer. I'm, I'm glad that you came up with a good answer because... What about, what about the 2015 Royals? Aren't they a big disappointment? Uh, to the people who predicted them to finish fourth, <laughs> yes. Still making these jokes, Chris. I'm still, making, <laughs> still making these jokes. But I think it's the Angels, and I think that, you know, Bryce Harper is, is cast as your Mike Trout. I think that... Uh, well, it's probably unfair to call Max Scherzer your, your Josh Hamilton because you know Scherzer by by all accounts has been good. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens to the Nats from here on out. I mean, obviously they have some people who are sticking around and some people who are leaving. I think that they're in a position they could they could rebound, you know, and be a decent team again next year. But I think we're we're probably going to be past the time where we just assume that they're going to be the favorites because they have you know all these players. Well, yeah, it's going to be tough, and obviously, you look at the Mets rotation, a lot of young guys there with, with promise, so it, it feels like this team is not going to go away anytime soon. And you're going to be managing the Nats next year, so it's going to be your, I don't, your job. There's not care. enough alcohol for me to take that job. <laughs> oh, speaking of speaking of jobs and uh, people who have them and now who don't have them, uh, Ruben Morrow Jr. was fired, a uh, long time coming. Not at all a surprise. I think that the writing was on the wall for him once, once they brought in the uh, the new president, and he talked about how they want to change their philosophy, get more sabermetrically inclined, and and Ruben Amaro Jr. is uh, about the least sabermetric dude out there. So uh, even if even if he had a glimmer of hope and thought that maybe you know making some good deadline deals might might help him keep his job, I think I think when when he heard that stuff, he had to know that. The writing was on the wall, and, and he was on his way out. So um, I, I don't think we're going to really, you know, cry too much for, for Ruben getting fired or spend too many words talking about how it's a surprise or, or anything like that. Um, I, I want to ask you, Chris, how do you grade the Ruben Amaro era for the Phillies? And uh, take note, I guess, as, as some people, I think, make it confused by, the, Philly, the Phillies did not win a World Series with him as the GM. He came in the year after they won the World Series. But they did go to the World Series his first year, and then he made the playoffs three years in a row. So just just a little bit of context there. Uh, how, do you, how do you grade those Phillies? So I think it's tough because Ruben Amaro Jr. has become such a punchline among, I think, a lot of national writers um, and I think a big part of that is the Ryan Howard extension, which was not a good move at the time, and a lot of people thought that at the time, and has only gotten worse, and that reflects very poorly on his legacy. However, 
there there was some good, particularly lately. I mean, I think the Cole Hamels trade did a lot to to restock that farm system. Um, the farm system is not bad. He's leaving it in pretty good hands. So I'm I'm gonna kind of cop out here and just give him a solid C. So are you saying that the Ruben Amaro Jr. is not as era is not as bad as it's often made out to be? Is that your is that your position here? Uh I yeah, I guess I want to say that. I, I I don't know. I mean, again, what when we mock him, what are we mocking? You know, it, it seems like the Ryan Howard thing gets a ton of play, and the fact that uh, maybe they weren't as sabermetrically inclined as as other clubs, but they did have a run of success for a while. So they not, so they seem to do well that, with it. Not with not with team that he made though. I mean, it's a team that he inherited. True. Right? True. So the the people were there. I mean, you probably could have let you GM that first year and, and done. Okay, probably not, know. but but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I guess I look at it and I think of that, you know, like I'll give him I'll give him credit and say that baseball is cyclical. I think all sports are cyclical in the sense that, you know, you have to if you have to come down after being up for a long time, you know, it, it's going to happen. I don't care, you know, who you are. Uh, it's it, it's going to happen. So, um, you know, maybe maybe he just you know, came in at the wrong time. But at the same time, he did not do much to inspire us to believe that he was a good at his job uh, or, or B, you know, really kind of understanding the modern baseball philosophy. And uh, I, I think I don't, I, I don't point to the, the deals as much or the money. And I mean, those things are, are big. I mean, they're spending a lot of money and not winning a lot of games, but I kind of look back at him and think of just some of the dumb stuff he would say. And it's like, don't you know better than to, you know, go after the fans and the media. You know, don't you know better than than to do these kind of things? And that's what used to always make me think that he was not good at his job. When I'd see him, you know, just kind of going off on reporters and and doing those kind of things, I'm like, how do you how do you expect to get deals done with other teams? Like if that's the way you you know deal with stuff. So that always stood out to me. And then you know, you see just the steep decline. I mean, it was you know World Series first year, then they. They made the playoffs, made the playoffs again, and they've just kind of been downhill ever since. They were a 500 team uh, three years ago, and now they're the first team, you know, eliminated from the postseason this year. I mean, it was like an exact, like, top-to-bottom decline while he was here, and maybe that's not fair to, to throw that all on him. There are other factors, but I think a C is generous. I think it's got to be at least a D. <laughs> all right, fair enough. I, I might, Maybe I'll lower to a C-. minus. Don't be copying me, man. You've uh, you convinced your, me to, to bring it down a little bit. Yes, just do what you're doing. All right, well, uh, you know, Ruben tomorrow. See good, ya. Good luck finding your next job. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe the Red Sox will hire him to be their GM. That would be amazing just would, for the that takes. Would, that would be hilarious, yes. Uh, Mike, I think we should transition here to the AL West, where the Texas Rangers, the team nobody talked about until about two weeks ago, are suddenly two games out of the division lead. And I should mention, uh, both of us spent some time with the Houston Astros and Rangers this week. Uh, each you, of us. Each of us yeah, each of us. Thank team. you. Uh, you you got to talk to a couple players on the Astros, and uh, I, wa- I talked to somebody on the Rangers. I don't want to reveal it yet because oh. my article is not out. Oh, so yeah. Prince Fielder. 
Cole so, yeah, um, I, I guess, you know, the, the Astros were a big surprise all season. I don't think really anyone expected them to be this good. And I think we've kind of taken for granted maybe their lead throughout most of the season. Suddenly Texas is right there with them. If you were a member of the Astros or a fan of the Astros, how worried would you be about this division race in Texas right now? Well, I think I think when you look at the Astros, there's there's an inherent bit of worry just based on the fact that you're so used to losing. You know, you don't really have that confidence of like, hey, we're gonna handle this. We're gonna, you know, we'll be fine. And um, I mean, I'll admit it. I mean, I've been I've been a big Astros supporter all season, but um, mainly just hoping for the the narrative. I mean, I love the I love the underdog. I love the Cinderella. Um, but you know, I was looking at it this week and being like, man, is is this is that are they gonna fall apart now? And I wrote a little bit about this today in a, in a piece on on Big Leagues too, but. Um, in going to the clubhouse and talking to those guys and just kind of, you know, absorbing what they were doing and, and all that, like, I, I came away from a different vibe, you know. I think I think A.J. Hinch, uh, I was very impressed by him. I think he, he's a good uh, kind of stable force. I mean, he's a smart guy. I don't think he's going to, you know, bend too far one way or another based on what happens at any particular day. I think he, he can kind of keep them level. Um, you know, I think that the team, uh, the way they are, I mean, they have a – they have a, they have a few good um, veteran guys who I think are good forces in the clubhouse, and they have a bunch of young guys who really don't have any knowledge of any of this, and are, I think are just going after it. You know, I mean, it, it's amazing to me to see that Carlos Correa is like every bit the kind of star leader type guy they talk about. I mean, he definitely like is a commanding force when you see him in in, in that locker room, and you know, he's not some sheepish, timid rookie. Like he is he is the man when he walks around there. Um, you know, but I, I don't think he's in a position where he's necessarily going to be scared of, of going into these things. So I, I feel good about the Astros. I feel like they have still, I think they have better pitching. I think that, you know, their offense can explode on any given night. Um, I just, and I've been saying this a long time all year, I think I just feel like they bring more to the table on, on any given night than the Rangers do. I still don't really know what to make of the Rangers as a team. I can't really wrap my head around how they've been so good. Um, you know, I know they've gotten healthier lately, and that's kind of helped, but I still look at that rotation, and it's like Cole Hamels and then just the shrug emoticon guy. <laughs> uh, I mean, Derek Holland's a good pitcher, but but he has had a ton of injuries over the years, and Giovanni Gallardo is still effective despite not being the dominant force he was earlier in his career. But I, I don't know. I just don't get it. And that that would lead you to think um, that I would expect Houston to continue winning and take that division. Come right, come jump on the bandwagon with me, Chris. There's room but, for you. But then there's also this narrative of Houston was not supposed to be this good this fast, and maybe now they're starting to regress, and it's not. It's actually not going to happen this year. And I don't. I don't. That's like that's not fair, and that's not even great analysis. But but it just feels that way almost and that's kind of what's keeping texas on the periphery of my brain in in this division well i think either way both of them are going to the playoffs uh, i think it just comes down to you know who's who's in that uh who's in that one game and, and who gets a who gets a whole series and i mean i guess you know 
probably the the worst case for the Astros would be to get into the to the one game. I mean, I think I think in a in a series, like I like their pitching. I think I think Keiko is, you know, he he's he's a he's legit. I think Casimir's good. Uh, Colin McHugh is is doing really well. Um, probably in a sense that you know most people aren't even paying attention to how good he's been doing. So, uh, and I, you know, I saw them last night, man. I mean, they they were you know by all accounts in one of those funks where. You could be like, this is this is the point where the team could lose it. I mean, they could they could not rebound here. They've lost a couple games to the A's of all teams. Uh, you know, the Rangers are about to catch them, and they came out and scored 11 runs and hit four homers and and just you know, Jose Altuve hit a couple doubles and uh, your man uh, your man Colby Rasmus went deep. Of Evan course. Gaddis went deep. You know, it was it was uh, it was quite a showing from them. And I don't know. I came away from it like, yeah, the Astros they're they're legit. Well equipped to handle the stretch run, it sounds like. That that's exactly what Look at you. Look at you doing some reportering, you know? That's exactly what, what AJ said. <laughs> he said there's no panic in us. That's great. No panic. Good for them. Yeah. I, I will I, I wanna say this though. The first thing that you had mentioned is that you're rooting for the, the Astros as an underdog narrative. Are the Rangers now more of an underdog narrative at this point? Couldn't that be argued? No, I mean, you know, they don't have like, you know, 415 losses in four years or whatever. I mean, I mean, at, at, in in a in a very small sample, they are a they are an underdog. I'm talking about in like the the overall, uh, you know, last five or six years of the team. I mean, the Rangers were in the World Series a couple of years ago. Right. Right. You know, the Astros have have a big reputation for losing. So. All right. I'm just trying to see how much of an underdog guy you are. I mean, you know, I, I, if I'm not going to – like, I don't really have a rooting interest in baseball, so I, I I root for the stories, and I think the Astros are a great story. Fair enough. Yeah. Want to do some important questions? Let's that do time? it. Do we, do we yeah. get through all of our serious baseball talk? I think so. All right. I think we only have – I think it's just me. I think I'm just tossing the questions at you. I love it. I'm ready. So did you meet Kanye? I did not meet Kanye. Did we talk about this already? Uh, A little bit. Oh, okay. He was. He was, I said he wasn't at my cousin's wedding. So I, I did ask you if you met Kanye, Chris. I was. Yes. Just, I was being silly. Okay. Um, I, I feel like we have to because of today is the day that it is, and this weekend is the weekend that it is. Give me your Super Bowl prediction. Oh wow! <laughs> I haven't. I haven't thought about this. You've sprung this on me. Don't pick the Seahawks. If you pick the Seahawks, we well, can't be friends. Uh, let's see. And, and, you'll, see be, and you'll be a Seattle homer. Can can you give me yours first while I quickly pour over the divisions in my mind? <laughs> I I'm going with the uh, I'm going with the Packers. Okay. And I'm going with the Broncos. Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning. Yeah, that'd be good. Aaron uh, Rodgers, Peyton Manning. Not Tom see. Brady. Not uh, not the Niners. I like the Niners, Chris. The Niners are not going to the Super Bowl. No. How about... I'm going to be hate-watching the Niners this year. I'm going to be like the guys in Major League, you know, when the Indians suck, who just sit there. Just yeah. Like, I'm, that, that's me. That's what I'm going to be this year, just so you know. All right, I'm going to one-up you here. I'm going to go Andrew Luck over Aaron Rodgers. Colts over Packers. Okay, that's pretty Arguably good. a better quarterback matchup. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably, you just had to come in and and let me have it, huh? Steal your thunder a little bit, yeah. No Jay Cutler. 
I don't, you know, I don't think this is the year. <laughs> Not I, this one. I'll be happy maybe, with maybe uh, next year. I think I'll be happy with six and ten. I'm expecting five and eleven. I'll be happy with six and ten. I uh, that's kind of where I am with the Niners, man. I think I'm looking at five and five and eleven or so. Well, my my wife is a Packers fan, so it has not been a very delightful past couple of years for me when they play each other. How do you guys do that? That's we don't hang out on that day. We just uh, it it seems to go better. Okay, well, that's fair. That's fair, I guess. Like, how did you guys get married? Mm, very carefully. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, thankfully, she has other better qualities uh, that somehow overshadow the Packers thing. Here's here's my other big question for you. And okay. I, I told you I was going to ask you. I hope you prepared. I hope, uh, I hope you did some I, I am. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Because you went to Chicago last weekend, I want to know your top five Chicago rappers. Kanye, 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 Kanye. You just, you're just. I didn't biting, do any research. You're just biting Chappelle, Chappelle. I am. You're right. Man. Come on. I honest, I don't know that I know of any more than Kanye. If I'm being honest, and I know that that disappoints you in many ways. I think we're gonna have to do a segment of the podcast where I just educate you about hip hop every week. I don't know that that's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who would be finding that interesting. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Common. I would say Common is number one. Okay. Do you know Common? A little bit. I would. I would I, Kanye. I like Kanye is an overall artist to me is better than Common, but but Common as a rapper is better than Kanye. Uh, Twister, I think, has to be on there. Do you know Twister? Mm, I feel like I know one song. Okay, he's pretty, you know, pretty good. Uh, I think Lupe Fiasco probably has to be on there. I'm not not the biggest Lupe fan, yeah, but you know, Lupe. Um, of current guy, Chris, and I've told you, you, you need to get down with Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper is gotcha. Is pretty dope and uh, modern modern stuff. You can you can hop in that right now and be a cool guy on the internet and tweet about it because people on the Twitters I think love some some Chance the Rapper. So. That's my recommendation to you. And I'm great at Twitter, so I will do that. Get all the fans. Your wife will ask you why I'm tweeting so much about rappers this time. She'll be like, you, talk, you told him to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. It's your fault. Do you have any important questions for me, Chris? Have any come into your mind? You know what? I don't think I do. Um, it's Yeah, I don't. You, you, you're off the hook this week. All right. But I'll definitely have one next week to make up for it. Well, next week on the podcast, I'm not going to overpromise again because um, I don't want to, you know, under deliver in a horrible position. But I'm just going to say that the, the the player that we are supposed to have on the podcast next week Uh-oh. is a recent MVP. Wow! Recent MVP. It's me, MVP of Twitter. No, you are not the. MVP. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. You are not the MVP of Twitter, Chris. So. Uh, Enjoy this stew pod. Leave us a review. Subscribe on, on all your various uh, places you can subscribe, such as iTunes or uh, Bookmark Us, uh, Podbean, any of those places. Uh, leave us a review. That would be awesome. And uh, come back next week because we're going to do this again. And I'm probably going to try to talk to you about hip-hop. I look forward to it. And I will continue to look forward to it every waking minute until we do the next podcast. This has been the stew pod. Thank you for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye, Matt Williams. <laughs> come on, y'all. Get live, get down. Come, come to your funk, the underground. So, so listen to what we say. All your sucker is for the piece of mountain, babe. One more.
Cause I don't get upset Take the engine to my comprehension It's just too complicated